So it's here. Today's the day. The last couple of weeks we've been working through this series, reminding ourselves or remembering again that Jesus is Lord. Today is Christ the King Sunday. And it's interesting, I remember I need to make a correction. When Jim asked, like, where did this holiday come from? I said, I think I, I thought it started in the 3rd or 4th century. It turns out it started in the 19th, or sorry, the uh, 20th century. It's a relatively recent time. The church said, let's set aside a day to remember that Jesus is Lord. And it came out of a time when different political groups were rising, uh, in Europe especially, and they're saying, or recognizing that Christians were beginning to follow these people. They're saying, no, these leaders, these people, they aren't Lord. Jesus is Lord. I'm grateful for this holiday. I'm grateful for this day when we set time aside to remember that not only has, is Jesus our Savior, not only is Jesus our healer, but he is also our King. That God has given him a name that is above every name, exalted him to the highest place, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every person declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's good for us to remember this it's good for us to keep reminding each other of this. Because when we talk about it, even today, hearing people talk about it, that this world is broken. We see it all the time. We hear about war. We hear about millions of refugees who need homes. We see the violence. We hear about people with addiction. We hear about people with, uh, who are abused. And it can be really easy to be discouraged. It can be easy to ask, is Jesus really reigning? I mean, look at this place. Even hear it in the church or even see it in the church. A couple weeks ago when we preached, when I was preaching about uh, the reality of remembering that Jesus is Lord, uh, Craig came up to me and he said, he said, Jason, if, if Jesus is Lord right now, then why aren't we doing more to help kids who are starving? I hear his question, I hear Craig asking, if Jesus is really king, then how come we aren't living that way more? It's challenging. It's been haunting me since I said this, or since he asked me that question. Talking about it with the church in Junction, with our brothers and sisters there last week, this question has been, I've been hearing it again and again. If Jesus is Lord, how do we live more faithfully? Or why don't we live more faithfully? It's been interesting, I, uh, as we talk about the reality that Jesus is Lord, that he is king, I find one of the most difficult parts is working that out. And what I mean by that is it, it affects everything. And that can be a little bit overwhelming. You know, where do we begin? How do we start? And it's interesting, this, this week I've been trying to get at this. And I mean, like the, the basic answer is it affects everything. Everything we do matters because Jesus is king. The ways that we do it should always be kingdom ways. Whether it's filing our taxes, whether it's doing our job, whether it's raising our kids, all of this should be done in the kingdom way. But it's also interesting as we talk about how difficult things are, how easy it can be to be discouraged. And I, this, this week, actually, we, uh, we watched a, fa- a movie as a family. It's, it's called Tomorrowland. Has anybody seen that movie, Tomorrowland? It's relatively new. Okay, I kind of thought so. It's kind of a family kids movie. But anyways, just the, the basic part of it is this girl, she finds a pin that every time she touches it, she catches this glimpse of this amazingly different world. This different world that's amazing. It's, there's no war, there's no famine, 
There's no illness. And in, in the movie, it's this amazing, like, futuristic world. Everything's flying and floating, and people are having an amazing time. And she touches this pin, and every time she touches it, she seals her. She's, she's brought into this amazing world. But as I was watching that, I was realizing, or it occurred to me that in the movie, every time she touches the pin, when she lets go of it, she, has, she goes back to her normal world, to our world. And she has courage to live differently because of what she saw. She has hope for what things could be. And so when she lives in this world, she lives courageously out of that reality. And I started thinking about this is exactly what the kingdom of God is like. Because the world around us is not so great all the time. I mean, there are moments, there are flashes. Don't get me wrong. There are, we catch glimpses of God's kingdom if we really look. But when you watch the news, when you read the newspaper, when you read uh, online, it's a lot of bad news. Horrible things happening all the time. But when we hear about the kingdom, it reminds us of our hope. It reminds us of the hope we have that God's kingdom is present now and one day it is coming fully. And that hope gives us courage, courage to live differently in the world around us in ways that the rest of the world looks at and says, that's crazy or that's stupid or that's not very smart. I think one of the ways for us to catch a glimpse of God's kingdom is to read God's word. One of the greatest places, or one of the places I love to read, especially these last few months with Tracy and I, is through the Psalms. Last week, as I was preparing to preach in in the junction, I was thinking about the kingdom of God and all these different texts. I mean, they're all over the place throughout the scriptures about Jesus, or about God being king, and throughout the New Testament about Jesus being Lord. But I came across Psalm 97. Let's read it this morning to catch a glimpse of God's kingdom. If you would, open your Bibles to Psalm 97. I also have it in the, it's an insert in the bulletin if you'd like to read it there. Read this with me. The Lord reigns. The Lord reigns. Let the earth be glad. Let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. His lightning lights up the world and earth sees and trembles. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. The heavens proclaim his righteousness and all the peoples see his glory. All who worship images are put to shame. Those who boast in idols worship him, all you gods. Zion hears and rejoices, and the villages of Judah are glad because of your judgments, O Lord. For you, O Lord, are the most high over all the earth. You are exalted far above all gods. But those who love the Lord hate evil, for he guards the lives of the faithful ones, of his faithful ones, and delivers them from the hand of the wicked. Light is shed upon the righteous, and the joy and on and joy on the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you who are righteous, and praise his holy name. I love this psalm. It's an amazing psalm. It's an amazing psalm as it speaks about the reality just below the surface of things. I know that we live in a time where we see the stuff on CNN and that's supposed to be reality. And it's real, trust me, but they're not making it up. But as I read the scriptures, I'm reminded that this is the reality. 
This is the reality just behind the things that we see right now. Just below the surface of what's obvious to us, this is the reality. That our Lord, that Jesus, that our Father in Heaven is King. The psalm begins declaring it right out front. The Lord reigns. And I don't know if you picked it up as you read through the whole psalm, but it's interesting to me, or I thought it was pretty great, that it actually says, the Lord is reigning. The tense is present, continuous. The Lord reigns. Not the Lord will reign, not the Lord did reign, but the Lord is reigning right now. As you read through the Psalms, it says that that the, the islands or the distant lands, they proclaim His glory. Right now. Right now, the foundation of His throne is justice and righteousness. Right now. Right now, the heavens proclaim and all the people will, get, will glorify the Lord. Right now. This is a reality right now. And I know in the church, sometimes I, we catch ourselves. When we talk about the kingdom of God, we talk about it mainly as someday. And it's true. Jesus is coming again. He is coming again and he will bring his kingdom and it will be justice and it will be good and it will be right. But as you read through the Gospels, there is no mistaking it. The kingdom is also here right now. That when Jesus came, one of the main things he did was establish his kingdom on earth. And it's true we look for more of it and sometimes it's hard to see but his kingdom is also here right now. And as we read this psalm, not only do we see that the Lord reigns, but we see how he reigns. It's at verse 4. Sorry, verse 2. It says that righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Sedek and Mishpat. These words, if you read the psalm, these words show up all the time. God's righteousness and his justice. God's righteousness, that he does things right, that there's no sin in what he does. And his justice, that what he does is fair. It's always fair and just. As we start listening of these things and, and remembering this, that this is what God's kingdom is like, it gives us courage to live this way here. As we focus on these words, we see that not only that God is king, but we see what kind of king he is. He's a just king. He's a righteous king. When we see this about the king, we start to understand what his kingdom's supposed to be like. When we start reading this, we understand this is, affects our identity. We realize who Jesus is, and we realize who we are to be as his followers. The foundation of our lives is to be righteousness and justice. I was thinking about ways we live this out. I mean, two practical ways is one is sharing more. Sharing more with each other, sharing more with our neighbors. One of the other ways we live this out is by standing up for what's right. It's no coincidence that right now there's uh, Phil Riley from, Inter uh, from International Justice Mission is here in the Kootenays. Tomorrow night, they're having a discussion about justice. As followers of Jesus, we are called to justice and to fairness, to standing up for what's right. But there's more to this psalm. 
Not only does it tell us who the king is and what the king is like, but also there's warning. At verse 7, it talks about those will be shamed who put their faith in idols. The word is pesel. It has this idea of carving an idol. See, in the ancient world, they would take a piece of wood. The prophets used to joke about this, that people, the nations, would take a piece of wood and they would carve their God out of it. They would call it a dumb piece of wood. They would carve a God to their liking. A God that was small enough to sit on the mantle but not really get in the way of things. A God that they could go and talk to or ask for blessing when they needed help, but didn't really affect their lives otherwise. See, today we live in a different time. We don't carve idols out of wood, at least not many of us. But we carve our idols out of other things. We carve our idols out of money. We carve our idols out of power. We carve our idols out of comfort. See, the thing is, when you start talking about Jesus being king, Jesus being Lord, it immediately begins to confront the other things that we put in his place. It immediately begins to confront the idols that we've formed in our lives. And I realize this, that I, I make idols all the time. God, forgive me. I make idols, and then the Lord comes, and he shows them to me, and I throw them out, I follow him faithfully the best that I can, and pretty soon, I start carving, carving another idol again. Not that just we carve them once and then we're done, we keep carving them. And remembering that Jesus is Lord challenges us again to throw out the idols in our life. The things that we've put above our faith in God. The places we've put our trust above God to throw those out. As I read Psalm 97, I see a picture of what reality is. I see a picture of another world, the way things are supposed to be here. And it gives me courage to throw out these idols. It gives me courage to let the Lord work in me. It gives me courage to live as a kingdom person now in this world. But it doesn't stop there. Now verse 10 and 12, it takes a little bit of a different direction. It starts talking about us, how we respond as God's people. And it said, those who love the Lord, let them hate evil. I know in English it doesn't quite come through, but in Hebrew it's, it's um, 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 oh, sorry, sinu. <laughs> it's sinu. That's hate it. That's not if you have time or if it's convenient, hate it. That's hate it. Hate evil. Hate the evil that's happening around us. Hate the poverty in our community. Don't just be sad about it. Hate it. Hate the injustice in our community. Don't just lament it. Hate it. Hate the addiction in our community. Don't say, oh, that's just too bad. Hate it. Hate it enough to do something about it. Or the abuse that happens behind closed doors. Don't just say that's too bad, or, or, but, but hate it. That we would do something. This text is convicting for me because I know I don't hate it enough. It bothers me and it breaks my heart, but I don't do enough. I don't hate it. Like the scriptures say, they say hate it. 
And the trouble is, these things are difficult. They're all around us. They're overwhelming. I mean, if you sit down for any length of time and you watch the news, it's overwhelming. And we can begin to just resign. But it's normal. The world, it grinds us down. It grinds us down. The problem is too big. There's too much. How do we do it? What do we do? As I hear this psalm this morning, I hear it say, start in this place. Hate the things that are evil. Hate what's evil. But it's difficult. (laughs) It's scary to hate what's evil. I mean, not the really obvious stuff, but maybe some of the evils in our own lives. See, the trouble is we get tangled up in evil. Even me, the pastor, I get tangled up in evil. I had to look this morning to see where this shirt was made. I didn't even know until this morning until I was thinking about it. It's made in Vietnam. I have no idea if it was made by a man or a woman who's paid a decent wage so they can support their family or if it was made by a kid in a sweatshop. I have no idea. I'm tangled up in evil. Or about the food we ate. Last night we had supper with our friends. The vegetables that we ate, I have no idea where they came from. Were they raised, uh, were they picked by, by people who were paid a fair wage so their kids can go to school too, so their kids can have medical care? Or were they picked by migrant workers so they could shave a few bucks off it? I have no idea. I'm tangled up in evil. So not only are we tangled up in it, but we hear it everywhere. And it's like this, this, this negative feedback loop. We hear it more and more, and so we just sort of settle for the status quo. It's overwhelming. And yet I hear the psalm say, it's not how it's supposed to be. Your Lord is King. Jesus is King. There's hope in that. And hope in that begets courage. And courage to live differently. Even when the people around us think it's crazy. It's not financially prudent. To hope to live courageously. To say things. To stand up for people when it's right. Even though the society around us says uh, you can't do that. When we see the kingdom of God, when we spend today, when we take days like today to remember that Jesus is king, to read his word and to catch a glimpse of his kingdom again, it gives us hope to live courageously. To live as kingdom people now. Even though it may not benefit us economically, it may not benefit us socially. But that we live as kingdom people now. I pray that this morning we hear the word of God speaking to us. On today, the day that we remember that Jesus is Lord. I pray that we hear the very first sentence that the Lord reigns. I pray that we hear the good news that the foundation of his kingdom is justice and righteousness. I pray this this morning that we let this word challenge us for the idols that we have, the idols that we continue to carve. I pray that this morning that we hear the word of God and we obey and that we hate what is evil. That we trust the Lord that he will take care of those, that he will protect us. I pray that this morning that the more we talk about God's kingdom, the more we see it, the more hope we will have, and the more courageous we will live. I pray that we hear the word of God this morning and remember that Jesus is Lord. Amen.